right. Good to see everybody today. Come on, put your hands together. Let's welcome all of our locations right now. Everyone watching online, we are so glad that you're with us. Also want to say a big hello to Celebration Northern Ireland. We're excited about you guys participating in the 21 day fast. How many of you are ready for a great year? Great 2015. Come on. Here's what I always say. And it's the truth. And that is this, this year really can be your best year ever. If it's your best year spiritually, you know, you might have more trials in 2015 than you had in 2014, but if it's your best year spiritually, if you stay fresh for God, and you stay full of his spirit and full of his love. I'm telling you, it is going to be a great year of the Lord's favor for you. And you're going to be blessed. And we're going to talk about that today as we continue uh, in our message, A Righteous Response. We're going to do part two today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Daniel, chapter one. I'm going to begin reading in verse six in just a moment. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to remind you a couple of things. Look, the fast kicks off. Uh, really tomorrow, but you want to make late this afternoon or tonight your last meal. If you want to do kind of like exactly 21 days, you know, we end it. The day 21 is Sunday, February 1st. It's the day of the Super Bowl. So, you know, if you want to eat at that Super Bowl party, you know, kind of time your, your uh, last meal, maybe late this afternoon, early evening around that time. And uh, the next 21 days are going to be amazing. Just a couple of things you need to know about. Make sure you have this flyer uh, it gives you a lot of information, activities, and things going on during the 21 days. One thing that's really important is at all of our locations on Friday nights, we're going to have big prayer meetings. And you'll find out if you haven't fasted yet that when you start fasting, you want to come to church even more than normal. Come on, I know you want to come to church. I know that's why you're here today. But uh, you'll find that when you start fasting, man, sometimes on Friday nights or whatever, man, church is a lot better option than staying at home and watching television with all those uh, hamburger commercials. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to have uh, prayer meetings on Friday night and just pray for healing and uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be bombarding heaven uh, with uh, the things that you wrote down in your heart for the house commitments, the prayer portion of that, what you're believing for, we're going to believe God for, and we're going to see some great miracles. And so uh, also, just make sure you pick up your daily Bible plan, uh, reading plan here at Celebration. Uh, we like to uh, do one chapter a day, you know, slow and steady wins the race. We're not trying to, you know, get you to read five, six, seven chapters a day so you can finish uh, the Bible in a year. It's, it's in reality, it's very hard uh, to do. We'd rather you take it slow, meditate on the Word of God. We've got some great resources on the website that'll teach you to ha- have, how to do a powerful devotion. Uh, in just about 10 minutes in the morning. And so make sure on these 21 days, you wanna have that time in God's word and prayer uh, every day, uh, especially to start your day there. And uh, it's gonna be a great season of prayer and fasting. Of course, we end it with the awakening revival and uh, we're really, really excited. All right, Daniel, chapter one. I'm gonna begin reading in verse six. We're gonna do a little bit of review and then get to our message today. Daniel chapter one, of course, this is known as the Babylonian captivity. Daniel, his three companions and all of Israel really has been taken captive by Babylon. They are now having to serve King Nebuchadnezzar, the infamous Nebuchadnezzar from VeggieTales, biblically known as Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse six, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belteshazzar. 
Hananiah was named Shadrach, Meshach was named Meshach, and Azariah was named Abednego. And we talked about last week that the Babylonians renaming them, it was very degrading and intended to demoralize them and really uh, was an attempt to kind of scrub God and the Jewishness off of them. And uh, just to give you a little review, last week we talked about that Daniel, his name in the Hebrew it, uh, means God is my judge. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Not like, oh, God's gonna judge me, but no, God is my judge. I'm accountable to God and God alone. God is first in my life. But the Babylonians renamed him to Belteshazzar, which means protector of the king. Not God the king, but protector of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And that word Belta is actually the feminine form of the word Baal, the demon god Baal that the Babylonians worshiped. And so Beltas was like, sometimes it, it, it was like, Baal's wife or, or a female form of the demon God. So you can imagine giving Daniel this name, what it was saying was, hey, no longer is God first in your life. The king of Babylon and the demon gods that we worship are now first in your life. And then of course, his companion Hananiah, his name meant God is gracious. God is gracious. They, the Babylonians renamed him Shadrach. That means I am fearful. I am fearful. What they were saying was, hey, no longer are you gonna live in the grace of God? From now on, you're gonna live in fear. And isn't that just like the enemy? He doesn't want us to live in God's grace. He wants us to live in fear. His other companion, Mishael, his name meant, who is what God is? Who's like our God? Who can compare to God? God is awesome. They renamed him Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. The very definition of condemnation. And what they were trying to say was, hey, you're gonna get your focus off God and his greatness and you're gonna put your focus now on your sins and your shortcomings and your weaknesses. You take the focus off God, put it on your shortcomings. You do that, you'll walk in condemnation. And then Azariah, his name meant God helps me. God is my source of wisdom and strength. They changed his name to Abednego, which of course means servant of Nebo. And Nebo was the Babylonian God of literature and science. And what they were saying to him was, hey, no longer is God going to be where you get and communicate your wisdom from, but from now on, it's the Babylonian education. It's the Babylonian universities. It's the Babylonian media. It's the ways of the world. That's what you're going to take as your source of wisdom and strength. And in all these things, this was an assault on their faith. And the Babylonians were trying to scrub God off of Daniel and his companions. And so they not only renamed them, but they also wanted them to eat from the king's table. In other words, partake of Babylon. Of course, Babylon represents in scripture, it represents the world. It represents everything that is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti the word of God. And they're saying, you're gonna partake of the king's table. All those meats were, were animals that had been sacrificed to these demon gods. And it's a type and shadow of just partaking of the sin of the world. And instead of Daniel and his companions just giving up and saying, oh man, it's just, you know, it's so bad here and all this kind of stuff. We're just gonna kind of roll on in and, and become part of Babylon. No, they had a righteous response. And church, it's so important that we have a righteous response because the world is trying to scrub God off of us. And it, I'm not talking about a religious response or a judgmental response. I'm talking about a righteous response. And that's what we see Daniel and his companions do. Look what it says here in verse eight. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. I wanna ask you something. In 2015, are you determined? Are you determined to live for God? 
Are you determined to rise above your circumstances? Are you determined to rise above that besetting sin or whatever's holding you back from God's best? You gotta be determined. He says they were determined not to defile themselves by eating the food of the king, the wine had given them. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Remember, they were kosher. These foods have been, uh, uh, the Jews were kosher. These foods have been sacrificed to idols. Their diet was a way it represented them being set apart for God. Verse nine says, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Did you notice that God gave Daniel the favor with this chief of staff? And God wants to give you favor in 2015, even with those who might be your enemies. It goes on to say, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths of your age, I'm afraid the King will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Look what he says here. He says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Remember, 10 in the Bible, it's the number of testing. That's why your tithe, the tithe, it means a 10th. All throughout the Bible, 10 is a number of testing. He says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Everybody say vegetables and water. This is where we get the Daniel fast from. The Daniel fast was not just, you know, for a cleanse or not just, hey, we're gonna do some prayer and fasting. No, it was a righteous response to the assault that Babylon was putting on their faith. He goes on to say in verse 13, he says, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then you will make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends, look at this. They looked healthier and better nourished. Everybody say healthier and better nourished. Healthier and better. How about in 2015, do you wanna be healthier and better than you were in 2014? Healthier and better. It goes on to say, so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables, instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude, your supernatural favor, an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability, more of God's supernatural favor, a special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, And Azariah, I want you to notice now in this part of scripture that God's not referring to them to to Belteshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Know why? Because Daniel and his friends chose a righteous response and not to accept or believe the name that the enemy gave them. Come on, the enemy wants to give you a name. He wants to call you fearful. He wants to say you're weird. He wants to say you're unpopular. He wants to say you're a victim. He wants to say you're an addict. He wants to give you a name. I want to challenge you in 2015 not to accept that name. And if you will accept God's name, the name he has over your life, that you're a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, God's going to give you supernatural favor and influence. He goes on to say, he says, uh, they, no one impressed him more than them. Verse 20, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable. Church, I'm believing God that we're gonna be 10 times more capable, 10 times more influence, 
to 10 times the impact in 2015 because we're gonna make a righteous response when the world tries to wash God from us this year. 10 times more capable than any of the magicians, enchanters, and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So let's talk about this righteous response and particularly what the Daniel fast is gonna produce in our lives over these next, or what God is gonna produce through the Daniel fast over these next 21 days as we get into a righteous response, part two. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, for these next 25 minutes or so, God, speak to our hearts. I thank you so much uh, for our incredible, incredible church and all the wonderful people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. So as we talked about last week here, you know, the, 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 the world or, or, or Babylon, all the things that our media is pumping in us and the sin and temptation, we have a decision to make. And it's the same decision that Daniel and his friends had to make. And that was this, is, is, is Babylon gonna change you or are you gonna change Babylon? Even though we're in Babylon, we're not of Babylon. Daniel and his friends realized even though they were in the world, they were not of the world. And God has called us when the world presses against us and tries to scrub God out of the picture. God has called us not to make a religious response and just start cursing the darkness. Oh, well, this is bad and that's evil and this is bad and da, da, da. Let me tell you something, that's religion. God wants us to make a righteous response. And the way that we make a righteous response is we get full of the life and love and power of God. And we see God move in and through us to change our families, our communities, and the world around us. God wants to give you supernatural favor in 2015 if you will stand up and make a righteous response. Come on, do you believe that? Can you give me my hand for that? And it's... It's real interesting that the fourfold purpose of fasting, now there's other benefits and purposes of fasting and all that, but really kind of the main cornerstones of fasting are what the original four names, Daniel and his three companions, their original four names meant. And that's what we're gonna look at uh, today in this part two, the fourfold purpose of fasting and what God's gonna do in and through us as we embark on this journey together over the next 21 days. The first purpose of fasting, number one, it's establishing or reestablishing God is first in my life. What does Daniel's name mean? What? God is my judge. In other words, God is first in my life. I'm accountable to God, God and God alone. When you fast, what you do is you hit the reset button and you establish or you, or you really, you reestablish that God is first in my life. You make an absolute statement, hey, for 21 days, my knee will only bow to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not bound to any other thing. Now here, look, look at this statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Did you see that? Watch and pray. That's what we do at the first of the year. It's that same word, watch or, or be sober, be vigilant. We talked about that last week. Every now and then you have to have a season where it's like, okay, Hey, let's, let's get serious here. Let's realize the world we live in. Let's realize the battle that we're in. Let's realize what is at stake. Let's, let's get driven by eternity. Let's really bring God into the picture. We gotta do that and we gotta pray. Look what Jesus says. He says, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's what Jesus is saying is, is look, your spirit, your spirit's always willing. This is an awesome thing when you come to Jesus. When you, when you come to Jesus 
and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God actually comes in on the inside of you. Isn't that awesome? This is what scripture tells us. Your body, soul, and spirit. But before Jesus, your human only spirit, the Bible says, was dead in its trespasses and sins. Now, it was alive in the sense that you were a living being, but your human spirit was dead in its trespasses and sins according to having the life of God in it. But when you receive Jesus, a miracle happened. You know what it's called? It's called you being born again. Everybody say born again. And when you are born again, you are born, as the Bible says, of the Spirit. That means the Spirit of God actually uh, came on the inside of you. You couldn't feel it with your five natural senses that are according to the flesh. But the Spirit of God came in on the inside of you and actually, first of all, destroyed your old dead human spirit that was dead in its trespasses and sins. And God gave you a brand new spirit. That brand new spirit on the inside of you, according to Ephesians 4.24, is created in true righteousness and true holiness. That brand new spirit on the inside of you made you a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. The deadness from that old spirit, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Corinthians says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Your spirit on the inside of you, it's actually made of the same substance as the Holy Spirit. That joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And that's also where the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, everybody say Christ in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory resides. Are you ready for this? The spirit part of you, it, it doesn't need to mature. It's already matured. It doesn't need to grow. It's already grown. It's perfected. It is completely perfective. It has everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness, Peter says. The challenge that we have is getting all this good stuff, this treasure in this earthen vessel. The challenge that we have is getting the good stuff that's on the inside working on the outside. Can I have a good amen to that? The challenge is, 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 is getting the Holy Spirit flowing in our minds, our will, our emotions, or our soul. Now, your soul is not perfected. Your soul, see, your spirit is instantaneous sanctification. Your soul is progressive sanctification. Your soul's not gonna be perfect until what? Till you go to heaven or you see Jesus. When we see him, we will be like him. That's a process that we will always be on. And so there's this battle for the submission of our soul. Uh, it, is it gonna line up with our spirit that's always willing, that's always after God, that's always hearing from God, or is it gonna line up with our flesh? Watch, that's always carnal, that's always subject to sin, that's always, you know, easily get tempted. Here's the thing, here's what Jesus said about your flesh. Watch this, your flesh is weak. Everybody say my flesh is weak. And that's just what it is. It's just weak. Your flesh isn't gonna get any better. You're not gonna get like all spiritual and all of a sudden your flesh change. No, man, it's flesh, it likes Babylon. It likes the meats and the wines and the stuff and the enticement and the sin and the whatever. That's what feeds the flesh. So when we pray and fast for a season, you know what we're doing? We're shutting down the flesh and we're letting our spirit awaken to a greater degree. You following me? That's why, that's why we call this season awakening. And if you will understand, when your spirit awakened, man, all of a sudden you get the power back in your willpower. All of a sudden your no means no and your yes means yes. Are you following me? And so that's why during this season, look, Jesus said, look, the spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. Let's recognize our flesh is weak. So we're going to put that under submission for 21 days. And for 21 days, watch this. We're going to make an absolute statement that Jesus is Lord. My knee is not going to bow, watch, to unforgiveness, to pain from the past, to depression. It's also not going to bow to pizza, <laughs> to sugar, to the McDonald's shakes that McDonald's just opened up just in time for awakening. Don't, don't you think there's not something going on there? By the way, McDonald's shakes are not part of the fast. Don't be rolling out of here during the fast, getting your chocolate shake, acting like you all holy. Hey, woo, I'm fasting with my chocolate shake. No. You see what I'm saying? So, so you can go on the website. There's all forms of the Daniel fast. Most people kind of do fruits and vegetables. Hey, man, that, that alone will shut down your flesh. And then you start doing devos. It awakens you uh, to God. A lot of people do a lot of juicing. Some people, if they're new, they might fast one meal uh, a, 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 a day, two meals a day. We have lots of information. You start where you are. But not only that, listen, it's food, but watch. There's also some other things that you might need to give up for a few weeks. Some things on social media, certain TV shows. I said certain TV shows. That's my pretend B3 organ. Well, I, when I feel the preach coming on, like some of those soap operas, you know, now they got soap operas aren't during the day. They're just during the night. And especially all these, have you seen all these shows, all these vampire shows? How many vampire shows? I mean, it's vampires, vampires and werewolves, vampires, werewolves and leprechauns, vampires, <laughs> werewolves, uh, Frankensteins. What is going on here? You might just need to give up some of your vampire shows over the next three weeks. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 have you seen, have you, have you noticed some of the vampires on these shows? Who are these vampires? You know what I'm saying? Like sipping on a latte, like wearing Gucci, discussing their emotional problems and here let me we need to go back to the old days that when I was growing up you didn't have any television series with vampires you know why because you had one show and it was old school Dracula he wasn't sipping lattes he wasn't wearing Gucci he wasn't discussing his emotional problems and I can't believe that Allison's dating Bobby now and did you know that Stephen is now with Sarah and Sarah's having Alex's baby. Look, when I grew up, you had one vampire show. Guess what happened? Dracula came in and ate you. End of show. There's no part two. There's no series. There's no Bella. There's no werewolf drama. There's no, it's Dracula shows up, eats everybody, no lattes, end of show. <laughs> so go ahead on today, watch your vampire show, but I encourage you to get old school Dracula so you can just end it right there and just give up. <laughs> she might need to give that up. You know, it's funny, my youngest uh, daughter Annabelle, she went through this phase. She was like four or five years old. She went through this phase and she had this thing. I don't know where she got it from, but she had this thing about um, who's like, who's the boss of who? It was like, th th she was going through this thing like she thought everybody had to be the boss 
of someone else. She's only like four or five years old. So I'd hear her and her friends talking and they constantly, you know, well, so-and-so's the boss of so-and-so and so-and-so's the boss of so-and-so. She'd ask me, she'd, like, she'd be like, okay, daddy. So is this how it goes? You're the boss of mommy. Mommy's the boss of Kaylin. Kaylin's my oldest daughter. Kaylin's the boss of Stovey. It's my son. And Stovey's the boss of me because Stovey's not the boss of me. Like she had, she just had that. I was like, no, that's no, no. Me and mom, I'm not mommy's boss. We're, we're together. And, and she, she had this thing thinking everyone had to be the boss of somebody else. And, and so we had her and a bunch of her little friends out at a restaurant one time. And all of a sudden she stood up, stood up in her chair and said, I have an announcement to make. She's five. I have an announcement to make. And she looks to all her little friends sitting there and she says, I want to let you know that I am the boss of all of you. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of all of you. And just sits down. I don't know where she gets that from. Obviously her mama must. You know what you do when you pray and fast? For 21 days, you stand up and you say, hey, unforgiveness, abuse, Whatever happened in my past, depression, this addiction, this sin, you know what? You are not the boss of me. I am the boss of you in Jesus' name. I'm not gonna bow my knee to anything other than Jesus Christ. Come on, give God a hand. He's given. He's given you authority. He wants you to rise up. It reestablishes God is first in my life. The second thing fasting does is look, fasting puts my focus on God and his word and power. Remember Daniel's companion and they wanted to get the focus off God and they wanted to turn the focus on your shortcomings and your frailties. No, when we fast, you know what? We get our focus right. We get realigned on God and his word and his power. And what happens when that happens is God builds our faith and brings healing. It builds faith and it brings healing. There's a great example of that here in Matthew chapter 17. Again, reading at verse 14. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Isn't this just like so many of us, the things that are the most painful to us are things within our own family. Maybe you have a loved one that's not serving God, that's hurting. I mean, here we have a father. His son was basically trying to commit suicide, trying to kill himself. So he comes to Jesus and he's like, man, this terrible thing's going on in my son, Jesus. Can you, can you help me? And in verse 16, he says, look, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. The disciples in this passage of scripture obviously represent the church. Now look at Jesus' statement. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. So can you imagine this scene? Here's this guy just beside himself, this dad. His son that's trying to commit suicide. They come to Jesus, they say, He's like, Jesus, help us. I brought my son to your disciples. They couldn't cure him. In other words, watch this. Jesus, we came to church. 
We came into your house and my, we're not seeing any progress. We're, we're not receiving the ministry that we so desperately need. And Jesus diagnoses the problem immediately. And at first it seems real harsh until you read the rest of the passage. He says this, he says, it is a faithless and perverse generation. Jesus says this, this is why miracles don't happen through the church, through God's people. They're faithless and perverse. Faithless, watch. They're too disconnected from God and perverse. Now perverse, it, it doesn't just mean wicked and evil, sinful. It implies sinful, but it also just means carnal. Just carnality, things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they're just, they're just carnal. Jesus says they're, you're, you're faithless, you're too disconnected from God, and you're perverse. You're too connected to the world. That's the problem, and it's the same problem today. You know why we don't see a, a, a lot of the supernatural power of God and miracles and breakthroughs and things like that? Churches, we're just, we're just not connected enough to God, and we're too connected to the world. So we don't have the faith to believe God to see the impossible become possible. Now look what Jesus, it says, uh, Verse 19, it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, they'd already gotten, you know, kind of one rebuke. So whatever further rebukes, they wanted that to happen alone. <laughs> then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now look what Jesus says. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Jesus said, because of your Unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus says this, here's why, okay, you're, you're too, you're not connected enough to God, faithless. You're too connected to the world, perverse. What happens when you combine, you're not connected enough to God and you're too connected to the world? You know what that produces in your life? Unbelief, the exact opposite thing. They're the exact opposite from faith or belief that you need to see the impossible become possible. I hope I'm talking to some people today at all of our locations that are ready to see the impossible become possible in 2015. What happens when you pray and fast? You know what? You get your focus off the mountain and you get your focus on God. And all of a sudden, when that mountain becomes compared to God, that mountain gets a whole lot smaller. That mountain gets a whole lot more movable. See, when we're not connected to God, we're not fresh in our relationship with God. We're too worldly. We're too carnal. Those mountains look huge. Those mountains look, look massive. Listen, don't look at the mountain. Look at God. Start looking at God's bigness. Start looking at God. And then Jesus slips this in there. He says this, he says, however, come on, the disciples thought it was all good, huh? Yeah, we're gonna move mountains, yeah. We're gonna get, the, we're gonna get faith. Jesus says, however, this kind, this kind of miracle, this kind of breakthrough, this kind, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. See, prayer and fasting doesn't change God's mind. Prayer and fasting changes your mind. You're the one with unbelief, not God. That's why when Jesus healed the boy, could you tell he's a little bit upset? He's like, bring the boy to me. He's gonna show everybody once and for all. You know what Jesus is saying? I want this boy healed. Listen to me. Don't start blaming God's sovereignty and all this stuff. Listen, God wants your marriage saved. Listen to me. God wants your kids serving God. 
Listen to me. God wants you healed. God wants you full of life. God wants you to get over whatever thing happened in your past. God doesn't want you depressed. Bring the boy here to me. Jesus wants you healed and he's passionate about it. But you've got to decide in your mind. So you can fill in the blank there. This kind of, you fill in the blank. Is only gonna change through prayer and fasting. Why? Watch. What's the problem? Faithless. You're too disconnected from God. What does prayer do? Prayer connects us back to God. Perverse, you're too disconnected from the world. See, prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer and fasting are the antidote to faithlessness and carnality. And if you will begin to pray and fast for a season, all of a sudden, what was impossible will become possible. Can you give God a hand for that? Listen. Everybody say it is what it is. It is what it is. This is it. This it, it is what it is. Look at this. Number three, fasting releases God's supernatural favor in our lives. God's supernatural favor in our lives. I brought this up, I believe, Last week, what, which, what problem do you have that God's favor couldn't solve? What problem do you have that God's favor could not solve? Favor in finding the right doctor, favor in finding the right job, favor with another human being. Do you see how God gave Daniel and his companions all of this favor with the chief of staff, with the people that were gonna hate them, with King Nebuchadnezzar? For King Nebuchadnezzar, who hated the Jews, to have to admit, man, these guys, these guys who follow this Hebrew God, they're 10 times better, 10 times wiser than my own God. See, God wants to give you supernatural favor. He wants to give you increase and in blessing in 2015. But here's, here's the thing about favor. This is why God gives you favor when you fast. It's very important. This is why God gives you favor when you fast. You're not, when you fast, you're not twisting God's arm and God's looking down and saying, all right, you've been going, you know, you've suffered for a couple of weeks now. You know, you only been eating salads or whatever. So I'm gonna throw you some favor down there. All right, it's been a few weeks. You've been looking sad and all that. Now, you know, you messed up so much in 2014. You know, I guess you've suffered. Listen, God doesn't even remember your sins from 2014. This ain't about that. Your sins are forgiven and all under the blood of Jesus. Here's what fasting does. Fasting shows God that you have the spiritual maturity to handle his favor. That's what it shows you. Watch. I'm, I'm telling you, God, you know, God wants to bless you. He wants to promote you. He wants to give you raises. He wants to give you financial increase. He wants to give you favor. But you know what? The question is, can you handle it? Because many people, it's really the history. It started with Lucifer. You can go to Adam and Eve. You can go all throughout Hebrew, uh, uh, the, the story of the nation of Israel. You wanna know what kind of part of the history of mankind is? God gives man favor and blessing and then man uses that against God and it drives man further from God instead of bringing him closer to God. And it's in prayer and fasting that we humble ourselves and we show God, you know what, God? You bless me, you give me favor, I'm gonna show you that I can handle your favor and blessing. That's what fasting does. 
What did Jesus say? Jesus said it this way. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, you do that in private and then God will reward you in public. Remember that scripture out of Matthew chapter six? What, what is fast? When we fast, we set ourselves apart to God privately and then God is gonna set us apart publicly. Daniel and his friends, they didn't make a big stink, a big fuss or whatever like that. You know what they said? They said, no, it's vegetables and water. They set themselves apart to God privately. We're not gonna allow Babylon to get in us even though we're in Babylon. They set themselves apart to God privately and then guess what? God set them apart from all of their peers publicly with blessing and favor and influence. How many of you are ready for blessing, favor, and influence in 2015? And the final thing here is fasting produces freedom. Do you have a besetting sin? Do you have an addiction? Anything like that, fasting produces freedom. An unhealthy emotional state, fasting produces freedom. Look what it says here in James chapter four, verses seven and eight. It says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do I need to repeat that? You waiting for, the, for, for, the, for, for a further explanation, exp, uh, explanation on that? Look at this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Doesn't say anything about a 22-step class to freedom. Doesn't say anything about 12 months of counseling. Doesn't say, you know, you don't need to go buy up all the self-help books and try to self-diagnose yourself. Don't do that. All those things are helpful. We believe in counseling. We have freedom classes. We have all of those things. But you know what? If you don't learn how to submit yourself unto God and resist the devil, none of that stuff is gonna have the impact that it's supposed to have. That is good preaching. I need a better amen corner. My staff... My st- the, staff is, the staff is paid, so they have to clap. Okay, we go, oh, this amen call, hey, hey, okay. <laughs> what, what, here's, 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 I'm telling you, I've pastored for a long time now. So many people, watch, they're trying to resist the devil. They're trying their best to resist the enemy, resist temptation, but they're not submitted unto God. You've got to submit unto God. Then you resist the devil and then he'll flee from you. It's why it says, hey, uh, awaken unto righteousness. You know what it says? Awaken unto righteousness and sin not. Awakening. So many people are trying to sin not. They haven't awakened unto righteousness. The scripture, the rest of the scripture goes on to say, look, it says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded, that talks about actions and motives. This is exactly what we do during a fast. God purifies our motives. We purify our actions. We we say no, we we repent, we submit ourselves unto God. And then here's the final thing. Then you know what? Then when you resist, the enemy flees. It's only you when you resist after you submit yourself unto God. And I, I wanna say this, you know, the Daniel fast, 
That was Daniel and his companions' righteous response to Babylon. I'm praying what we do here at Celebration is we kick it off with a literal Daniel fast or fasting. A lot of people do juices and stuff like that. We kick it off with a fast, but the principle of being submitted to God and resisting the enemy, watch this. You make that strong right now at the beginning of the year and I'm telling you, it, it can stay with you for the rest of the year. And that what Daniel and his friends said, remember they renamed, renamed them, wanted them, from eat, wanted them to eat from the king's table. What did Daniel and his friends say? No, we'll take vegetables and water. No, we'll take vegetables and water. See, to the world, the things in the church, Bible reading, going to church, prayer, you know what, it looks, it looks boring. It looks like vegetables and water. What are you talking about vegetables and water? Look at all this enticing glitterati bling at the, king's table. What do you, what do you mean uh, vegetables and water? Listen, the principle of vegetables and water needs to stay with you for the entire year. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, it's, it's only a matter of time for those of you trying to get out of that party scene, those old friends call you up. Hey, let's go to the club. Cause we're driving in the club, driving to the club, going to the club. What? You know what you need to say? Watch. Nope. I'm going to the prayer meeting Friday night. What? They're going to be like that. What? Here's a prayer meeting. Man, come on. Come out with us, man. We got all the wine. We got Babylon. We got the stuff. We, you know what you're going to say? Nope. I'm going to the prayer meeting in 2015. It's vegetables and water for me. And you know what? All of you, if we, in a spiritual context, you're going to become pale and runny and sickly looking. You know what? I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be better. Oh, man, what? what you, you going to church? You just skip one Sunday. Come on out with us, man. The sun's out. We're going to the beach. We go, you know, nope. I'm going to church. It's vegetables and water for me. Oh, come on, spend your money. You're, you know this is your tithe money. You know this is your tithe money. But they're like, no, no, come on. We're going you, you, to spend the money. We're going to buy this. Da, da, da. No, I'm tithing. It's vegetables and water. No, I'm reading my Bible. It's vegetables and water. No, I'm going to church. It's vegetables and water. I'm going to the membership classes. Vegetables and water. I'm getting involved in a small group. Vegetables and water. I'm, I'm going to serve this year. Vegetables and water. I might even go on a mission trip. That's major vegetables and water. And here's what's going to happen. The principles of vegetables and water, God's going to expand in your life and you're going to end up influencing people for the glory of God. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be better. And this year, is going to be the best year of your life because it's your best year spiritually. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. How many of you would say this? Okay, here's what I'm asking you. You're going to have your last, you know, big meal this afternoon or tonight, but you're saying, Stovall, I'm in for the next 21 days. In some way, shape, or form, I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna read my Bible, and I'm gonna be part of this fast, this, this Daniel fast that you're talking about. If that's you, I want you to raise a hand. Even if it's a meal a day, raise your hand. I want you to raise it. Raise it high. Raise it high. Oh, that's right, I'm looking around. 
Okay, if your hand, if the person next to you hands not raised, just raise it, raise it for them. Especially, look. <laughs> I see some of y'all volunteered a half hand. Here's the thing. Here's the deal, ladies, especially if you're married, your husband's here, he's not raising his hand. Look, when he shows up for dinner, just give him a green juice. Just say, hey. You might, you might sneak food those other meals. You, you juicing with me. Put those hands down. It's gonna be a great time. It's gonna be a great time. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm kidding. We want you to do it voluntarily and have your heart in the right place. Now, bow your heads real quickly. How many of you would say this? You'd say, Stovall, I'm away from God today. I don't like to ask if you're a Christian or not a Christian. That means different things to different people. But here's what I'm asking. Some of you in here today, and you're, you're walking with God. Of course, things aren't perfect, but you're walking with God. He's Jesus is Lord of your life. Some of you in here today, you're far from God. Maybe you've never really made Jesus Lord of your life, even though maybe you've been to church some. Some of you walked with Jesus at one time, but you've drifted far from God. And you're ready to make sure that 2015 starts off on the right foot with God first. If you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus as Lord and have a fresh start with God, I want you to slip a hand up right now. Wherever you are, I want you to raise it high. Yes, 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 yes. Man, tons of hands. All of our locations, raise those hands high. Now put them down and look up here. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, okay? So important. At the beginning of the year, you make a public stand for God. So at all of our locations, on the count of three, if you raised your hand, if you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up in front of all these people. And I'm telling you, you are gonna start the year off. Come on, I hadn't even counted yet. One, two, three, stand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Look at all the people standing. Okay, now y'all remain standing. Listen. Anybody else before we pray? Anybody else? Some of you might be here with a group of friends. Can I tell you this? Did you know when I came to Christ, it was like about six or seven of us all did at the same time. And it was almost kind of like, we're looking at each other, okay, you going first or, you know, I mean, I had prayed the prayer, but we never really stood up, that kind of thing like that. So I'm just saying, you might be here with a group of friends, you know, before I pray, just kind of, sometimes it's like, okay, who's going to go first? Y'all just all go first. Y'all just all say, hey, we're all, we're all standing up. We're all standing for God. Anyone else before we pray? Because then I'm going to ask everybody <laughs> to stand up real quick. Give my hand one more time, everybody. Now what? Okay, all of our locations, all of our locations, everybody stand up right now. We're gonna join them and as we close today's service, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, okay? If you stood up to commit or recommit your life to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer. I want you to mean it with all of your heart and, and everybody else, even though you're walking with Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you to repeat it as well and, and help along some people here today and at all of our locations that might be praying this prayer for the very first time, praying this prayer and coming back to God. It's so important that we help one another. And it also, I love doing it because it reminds us, one day we prayed a prayer like this for the very first time. And we can never forget where we came from and what a relationship with Jesus is all about. So I'm gonna say this prayer, repeat it, mean it with all of your heart. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. And Jesus, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for forgiveness and I thank you for everlasting life. 
Thank you for a fresh start in 2015. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just bless your people. Lord, I just pray that you bless them. May your face shine upon them. May your countenance uh, shine upon them. Give them peace and strength. Lord, for these next 21 days, God, I thank you that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could think or ask, God. Lord, I thank you for the miracles that are going to happen, the mountains that are going to move. I just pray for grace, Lord, and we just give you all the glory and honor for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.